good morning. My own. Okay, there we go. Good morning, everybody. If you could find your way back to your seats, please. And thank you. I had my welcome to all of you, whether you're here in person or online. If you happen to be visiting or new with us today, we're always delighted to have you here as a guest, whether you're checking us out virtually or in person. And uh, my name's Don. I'm one of the pastors here on the team, if you are new. And today we are in the middle of a series we've been in for several weeks called Abide. And this series is, is really about how do we kind of walk out this living relationship with God in our everyday lives. And so we want to continue in that today. We're going to look at a a brief text in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3 is our main text for today. And the title of the message today is God Speaks to His People. Well, if you have a TV in your home and have lived through more than a few Easter seasons, my guess is there's a good chance you've seen the movie The Ten Commandments. Um, if I could pull, we could pull up that slide, you know, this is the, the Ten Commandments. I'm just curious, how many of you have seen the Ten Commandments? A eh, good number of you. Uh, how many of you have seen it more than once? Yeah, I thought so. And if you, if you haven't seen it, it's worth checking out. Uh, they show it every Easter, so Easter will be coming up soon. You have a chance to check it out then. But it was made in 1956, and at the time that it was made, it was considered the greatest movie spectacle ever made. Um, it, it's the story of the Exodus, and it was a big-budget, star-studded, spectacular production. Uh, some things you might not know about the Ten Commandments is Cecil B. DeMille, who was the producer and director of the movie, he chose Charlton Heston to play the lead in the movie of the character of Moses. And the reason that he chose him was because he thought Charlton Heston looked a lot like the statue of Moses that Michelangelo sculpted in 1505 that is on display in Rome. But, but he thought Charlton Heston looked like Michelangelo's Moses. Well, you, you can see for yourself. What do you think? I mean, I kind of get it. You know, you get it a little bit. And by the way, if you're wondering about the horns on Moses' head in the statue, kind of an interesting note on that. When Michelangelo was preparing to do the sculpture, uh, and he was studying the Bible, he was using the Latin version, and the problem was the Latin language had no word for rays of light. And so when he was reading about Moses coming down with the commandments and these, the glory of God shining around his head and these rays of light, the closest Latin word was the word for horns. And so there you have it. Little ironic, isn't it? Moses, horns, kind of Seems to be one of those cosmic jokes that God sometimes likes to play. Um, but one of the, the greatest scenes in the movie was the parting of the Red Sea, you know, if you've ever seen it. And it was considered one of the greatest special effects accomplishments of all time and still is considered pretty impressive. And the way that they did that, if you're familiar with the scene, is they had this huge tank 
that they had on the set. And on the side of it, they had two other huge tanks full of water that they mixed jello in to make it look more like the ocean. And what they did is they dumped these tanks kind of sequentially, you know, so the water would pour into this tank in the middle and in, in sort of from front to back. And so they filmed that and then they reversed the film and played it backwards so it looked like the water was parting. Um, quite an accomplishment for 1956. And to make the movie, they used over 14,000 human extras and 15,000 animals. And the set was so elaborate that when Cecil B. DeMille finished filming the, mu the movie, he had it dismantled and buried in the desert so that no other producer could ever use it. And while there were many impressive scenes throughout the movie, one that always stands out in my memory is the scene of Moses and the burning bush. And there's really some question over who played the voice of God in the different parts of the movie. The voice was electronically altered for effect, and there was never any official recognition given in the movie credits for it. Most people would agree that it was Charlton Heston's voice himself in the burning bush scene, but there's some debate over who played God's voice in other parts of the movie. But whoever it may have been, you couldn't come away from seeing that movie without clearly seeing that God is a speaking God. That God speaks to his people in a very personal way. And in the actual Exodus account in the Bible, there are at least 25 separate times where God spoke personally to Moses from the time of that moment where the burning bush scene happened up until they crossed the Red Sea. And God spoke personally to Moses so that Moses could join him in what he was about to do in rescuing his people from slavery in Egypt. And through that experience, Moses would come to know God in a way that he had not known him before. And so here's what we want to think about and talk about this morning. God still personally speaks to his people today. And so this morning we want to spend some time just focusing on this truth that God speaks personally to his people, that he wants us to know him and join him in what he's doing around us. And so the big idea for the message today is just really simply that. God personally speaks to his people so we can know him and join him in what he's doing. God personally speaks to his people so that we can know him and join him in what he's doing. And so before we dig into that, let's take a moment and ask God for his help. Lord, as we come to you this morning, Lord, we, we come asking that you might speak to us today. Lord, that you might use your word in this time we gather together. You might use me, Lord, and you might, uh, through the working and grace of your spirit, Lord, speak to our hearts. 
Lord, we've come this morning because we want to hear from you and we want to know you. Lord, we want to know when you're doing things around us that you want to invite us into. So use this time, Lord. Use me. Use this moment to speak to each of us today that we might know you better and be more alert to your work around us. And so we ask you to do this, that you might be glorified and that your church might be served. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3, our main text for today, the writer tells us really very clearly that God speaks to his people. Let's look at those verses for a moment together. It says, Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so verse 1 tells us that throughout the Old Testament, God spoke to his people in many different ways. And while he spoke primarily through the prophets, he also spoke to people through angels and visions and dreams and a still small voice and even a donkey on one occasion and various kinds of signs and, and more. God spoke to people in many different ways, and when he spoke to someone, it was typically in a way that was unique to that person in that situation. You see, there is no cookie-cutter way that God speaks to his people that's always the same. And what's important is that when God spoke, the person knew it was God speaking to them, and they knew what God was saying. I mean, just think about Noah, for example. When God comes to Noah and tells Noah that he's going to destroy the world with a flood and Noah's to build an ark, Noah knew that it was God speaking. And he knew what God was saying and telling him to do. We see the same thing with Abraham. When God comes to Abraham and says, I want you to pack up all your things and go and take your family and go to a country that I'll show you. Abraham knew that that was God speaking, and he knew what God was saying in that moment. So whenever God spoke to someone in the Old Testament, that was a personal encounter that they had with the living God. And verse 2 tells us that when Jesus came on the scene, the primary way that God spoke to his people changed. In verse 2, it says, But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. The writer says, In these last days, and the last days in the Bible are the time between Jesus' first coming and his second coming when he will return. And so we are living in the last days. This is the age we're living in. And so God says, or the writer says that 
in these last days, God's primarily speaking to his people through his son. When Jesus came to this earth, he was the full and complete revelation of God and who God is. He told us in John 14, 9, he said, whoever has seen me has seen the Father. And we even see it in our text in Hebrews 1, 3. In verse 3, it says, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. Jesus is the full, complete revelation of God the Father. And so to know Jesus was to know and see the Father. When Jesus spoke, God was speaking. And so before Jesus ascended to the Father after his resurrection, he told the disciples that he would not leave them as orphans, that he would send another helper, another counselor, if you will, to be with them and to be in them. And that counselor and helper was the Holy Spirit. Jesus said the Holy Spirit would be the way he would continue to be with them and speak to them. He said it in John 16, verses 13 through 15. Jesus is speaking. He says, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. See, Jesus said the Spirit will declare to God's people the things Jesus and the Father want them to know. So Jesus now speaks to his people primarily through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit to live within us, God no longer has to speak primarily through external sources like the prophets. He speaks to his people by the presence of the Spirit within each one of them. And so God speaks to his people now in a personal relationship with them through the Spirit. And it's through this living personal relationship that we can know God And we can hear him speak in our lives. And when God speaks to us by the Holy Spirit, then we have a personal encounter with him in our lives. To know and to hear God when he is speaking in your life is really a foundational part of a healthy relationship with God as a believer. Henry Blackaby and his workbook called Experiencing God says it this way. He says, if Christians do not know when God is speaking, they are in trouble at the heart of their Christian lives. And so if hearing God speak is an important part of a healthy relationship with God, we need to be able to know and discern God speaking in our lives. And so there are two things that we want to look at this morning to help us do that. And the first thing we want to look at is why God speaks. When God speaks, 
he usually speaks to reveal one or more of three things to us. He speaks to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. So let's look at each of them briefly. God speaks to reveal himself so that we might know him and who he is to us. We, we really see that if we use the burning bush scene where God and Mo- Moses have this encounter. In Exodus 3, verses 4 through 6, right after Moses sees the bush and it kind of captures his attention, it says this. It says, When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said to him, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So when God comes to Moses, he reveals to Moses who he is. He says, Moses, I am the God of your father. I'm the God of Abraham, of Jacob, of Isaac. I am your God. And he reveals his character. He says, I, he shows Moses that he's a holy God. And Moses sees and understands. He hides his face because he's in the presence of the living God. So God speaks to reveal to us his name, his character, and who he is to us. God wants you to know him and who he is to you and what he's like. Because I don't know about you, but sometimes seeing God accurately can be a challenge to us. We can see him as demanding or disappointed with us or expecting something that we can't seem to live up to. But that's really not who God is to his people. God is for you and wants to help you be what he wants you to be and do what he wants you to do. I mean, there have been so many times in my life where God has spoken to me to help me see who he is and who he is to me. Because I think one, I've just struggled throughout my life with kind of seeing God inaccurately and wrestling with that. Because, see, I'm the kind of person that when I look at myself, I tend to see what's not right, what's lacking, what's inadequate, what's missing, what's not measuring up. And it's very easy for me to think that if I see that things that way, then God must be seeing me that way too. And I can, for over the years, I would fall into these kind of times of discouragement when I would just feel like God's, he's disappointed in me, he's, he's not happy with me. I remember one time I was kind of in one of those discouraging times and I was trying to have a quiet time and uh, and in my quiet time, I just had this picture that of me sitting on one side of the table and God sitting on the other side of the table and him just pointing the finger at me saying, come on, Don, you need to get it together. And as I was just kind of envisioning that in my mind, God just spoke just clearly to me in that moment. And he said, he said, no, he says, that is not who I am. 
He said, I died so that I could get up from that side of the table and come around to your side of the table and put my arm around you and help you to change. See, that's who God is. And so God speaks to reveal himself and who he is and his character, his nature, and his name. But the second thing, God, reason God speaks is he speaks to reveal his purposes or what he plans to do. God speaks because he wants you to walk with him in a love relationship, a relationship where he includes you and lets you share in what he's doing. As if you're to join him, you need to know what he's doing. Jesus said it to the disciples in John 15, verses 15 and 16. He says, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. See, Jesus says to the disciples, he says, you're, just, you're not just a servant, but you're my friend. I mean, just let, let that sink in for a minute. God says you're his friend. And he looks at you like a friend. You're, you're a close friend. And he says, hey, I, I want to involve you in what I'm doing. You know, you're my friend. You're not just somebody I say, go do and do this. I want you to know what I'm doing so you can be a part of it with me. I think one of the ways that we can sometimes get this wrong is, you know, we can think that we decide what we want to do for God. We make plans and goals based on what we think God wants or what we want to do for him. And we might accomplish those goals and objectives, yet we might completely miss God's will and purpose for us. See, what's most important is what God wants to do where he has you or where he places you. And this walk with God, it isn't isn't centered on us and what we want. It's centered on God and what he wants. And he invites us to join him in what he's doing, not the other way around. And we see that in Moses' experience with God as well. If you know the story of Moses, when Moses was about 40 years old and he realized that he was a Hebrew, and it seems like God gave him some sense that he was to be the deliverer of the Hebrew people. So Moses decides that he's going to take that upon himself to do that. So he goes out and he's kind of get among the Hebrews and he, he sees an Egyptian mistreating a Hebrew. And so he intervenes and winds up killing the Egyptian. And I think he thinks that the Hebrews are going to look at that and say, oh, you're our deliverer, you're our great rescuer. But that is not what happens. As a matter of fact, they not only disdain him, but but they get the word out of what he did, and he winds up having to flee for his life into the desert of Midian. And he winds up staying there 40 years. 
And I can't imagine what, what he's thinking through those 40 years. I mean, is, is he still thinking that somehow God might use him? <clears throat> when that scene at the burning bush comes about, it doesn't seem like he's thinking that too much. But then 40 years later, the burning bush scene happens. And in that moment, God calls to him and invites him into what he's doing. We see it in Exodus 3, verses 7 through 10, as God speaks to Moses. It says, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their sufferings, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, And now, behold, the cry of the people of Israel has come to me. I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So in God's timing, in God's way, God invites Moses to join him in what he's doing. And then thirdly, God speaks to reveal his ways. You know, if you read through the Bible, it doesn't take long to realize that God's ways of doing things, they're often very different from what we might think or do. He tells us that in Isaiah 55, 8. God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, and my ways, neither are your ways, my ways, declares the Lord. See, God's ways are often nothing like we would come up with. I mean, think about it. Just let's take, for example, that well-known Bible story we all learned as kids about Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, right? If you were Joshua and you were planning a military strategy of how you were going to conquer this city, my guess is the idea of walking around it seven times and then blowing a trumpet for the walls to fall down probably wouldn't be very high on your list of how you might do that. Or even in the Exodus, you know, God could have just, couldn't couldn't God just kind of impressed on Pharaoh's heart to let the people go? I mean, that might have been an easy way to do that. But that's not the way God does things. God God doesn't just care about what we do. He cares about how we do things. And when we join him and do things following his ways, see, people see him. That's what happened to Jericho. When God's people walked around that city seven times over seven days, just imagine what, what... What you're thinking if you're part of that crowd? All right, it's day number six. Here we are again. I don't know what this is all about, but, you know, Joshua says, I guess we got to do it. Day number seven, walk around. All right, let's blow the trumpet. And literally the walls fall down. Who was on display in that moment? 
They knew that this was God's doing. And when God delivers his people from Egypt, yeah, he could have probably impressed upon Pharaoh to just let him go. But he actually tells Moses, he said, no, he said, when you go to him, he's not going to let him go. And I'm going to show my power and I'm going to display my glory. And so that not only will the Egyptians see that I am superior to their gods, but my people will see that I am their deliverer, I am their rescuer, and my power is sufficient for them. That's God's ways. So why does God speak to his people? He speaks to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways. And that brings us to the second thing we want to look at this morning, and that is how God speaks. Well, we already said that since the days of Jesus, God primarily speaks to his people through the Holy Spirit that lives within us. But that doesn't mean that the Spirit doesn't use a variety of diverse means through which he may speak to us. And while we can't cover every way the Spirit may speak in our lives this morning, there are four primary means the Spirit uses to speak to God's people that we do want to touch on this morning. And the first one is the Bible. I mean, perhaps the most common way that we encounter the Spirit speaking in our lives is when he speaks through God's Word. When God's Spirit speaks to you through the Scriptures, it's like that verse or passage just comes alive to you in a a different way. There is a, a revelatory aspect to it where God speaks it to our hearts in a way that becomes real down inside of us. And when the Spirit speaks through God's Word in that way, that's an encounter you're having with the living God. And God is personally applying that scripture or that passage to your life in some way. And he wants you to adjust your life in some way to what he's revealed to you. I mean, it may be to do something or it may be to know something about who he is to you in that situation. I remember many years ago when I was going through probably one of the worst trials I've ever been through in my life. It was connected to my job, and it was long, and it lasted about two years, and it was one of the most miserable times I think I've ever gone through, and I was so discouraged and and down about what was going on. I didn't know whether I should try to leave that job or change jobs or would stay. I was confused, and I was so miserable during that time that I would literally get up in the morning and try to have a quiet time and cry almost every day. That's how bad it was. And I, as I went through that time, God was just silent. He wasn't saying anything. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know I should hang in there. I just wasn't sure. And then there was one morning as I was trying to have one of those devotional times, and I remember I was reading through the Psalms and was in Psalm 32. And I came to Psalm 32, verses 8 through 10. And this is what it said. It said, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. 
I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Be not like a horse or a mule without understanding, which must be curbed with bit and bridle, or it will not stay near you. Many are the sorrows of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds the one who trusts in the Lord. Now, those words may not speak to you, but in that moment, those words were like God sitting next to me, speaking them to me. And in that moment, I I just saw and knew that God was saying, I'll let you know when there's something you need to know. I'll let you know what you need to do. I'm with you. I'll counsel you. My eyes upon you. Don't go off on your own and, you know, do your own thing like a horse or a mule that has to be held in check with a bridle. He says, I'm I'm here. He says, my steadfast love is surrounding you. And those words were like life to me in that situation. And they sustained me through. That trial didn't end right away after that, believe me. But those words sustained me through that time. And those words have have been an important part of my life ever since. They've just rooted something. See, I came to know something about God and who he is to me through those words. So one of the main ways the Spirit will speak to your life is through the Bible. And this is just one of the reasons why spending time in your Bible is so important. But when we read our Bible, let's not just read like we're reading information in a book. I mean, let's read with an anticipation and faith that God wants to speak to us personally through his word. He has things he wants to say to us. And it won't happen every day, but there will be times when God speaks to us in a personal way as we read and reflect on his word. And when that happens, I mean, you want to hold on to it and respond to it. You want to write it down, pray about it, meditate on it, ask yourself what you need to change or adjust, apply it and see how God uses it to work in and through your life. Second way God speaks is through prayer. See, prayer is rooted in the reality of our living relationship with God. Prayer, but prayer is intended to be a two-way fellowship and communication between you and God. But I'll be honest, if you're like me, prayer times can often become times where we're doing all the talking and we're just hoping God is listening. I mean, we lay before God our requests about the things we want to say to him, our our personal needs, the things we're asking for in our own life, our families, our friends, the people we know in need, other things that we're praying about, struggles we're having, challenges we're facing. We do a lot of talking to God. And we can have a full agenda in our times of prayer. But how much do we go into our prayer times wanting to listen to what he might want to say to us? I mean, what his agenda for that time might be. See, prayer involves listening as much as speaking. Because, you know, the truth is, 
God's, what God says in prayer is far more important than what we have to say. I mean, the Bible tells us he, he already knows your needs before you ever ask him. He, he knows what's on your heart. It's not like we have to make sure he understands those things. And, and it's not wrong to pray for those things, and we should pray for those things, but our approach to prayer can often be very us-centered. It's all around the things that we're about and that we're thinking about and we're or on our hearts. But see, if God wants to invite us into what he's doing around us, our prayer times need to be more God-centered than us-centered. What is God up to in my life today? What is he doing around me? How can I pray in this time in a way that's according to his will and not just mine? See, we need God through the Spirit to help us know how to do that. I mean, I think that's what Paul's talking about in Romans 8, 26 and 27 where he says this, he says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words, and he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. See, Paul says, we... We really don't know how to pray the way that we should. And, and we need the Spirit to, to help us to see and understand how to pray according to the will of God. And so if we're going to walk through our daily lives in a close love relationship with God, we need to hear God so we can pray according to His will and not just ours. See, God knows what He has for you each day. And when you pray for what he already has for you in his will and plans for you, he always answers those prayers. And so we need to go into our prayer times wanting to cultivate the practice of listening and not just do all the talking. And when you pray, look for what God is doing around you throughout your day. Don't forget what you prayed about as you get caught up in the things of the day. And we always need to remember that when the Spirit speaks to us in our prayer times, He will never lead us to do something that contradicts God's Word. The Spirit's not going to lead you to have an affair on your spouse or to do something dishonest. God is never going to lead you through the Spirit to do anything that would be a contradiction of His Word. And I also need to mention that, that there are times when God is just silent. I mean, we want desperately to hear from Him, but He just doesn't seem to speak. And these times, they can be confusing, they can be hard to go through. And they often seem to happen where, when we're in some trial or time of uncertainty or difficulty. I mean, that was kind of Job's story, if you think about it. You know, when all these terrible things are happening to Job, and the beginning of the book of Job, his children die, and he's sick, and 
um, lost everything, all of his possessions. Uh, and he's, he's kind of crying out to God. He doesn't understand what's going on. And God is silent. And so he's left at the mercy of his human counselors who don't always serve him particularly well. But it's not till much later that God kind of shows up and reveals and speaks to Job and reveals to him who he is to Job in that situation. And so when God is silent, it's usually because he is doing something in us that we wouldn't understand or that he doesn't need our help or understanding to do. And so in those times, when those times come, we just need to keep doing the best we can to walk through each day, seeking to do the best we can to honor him and how we go about that. And in some cases, we may need to just keep doing the last thing he told us to do and wait until he's ready to give further guidance or clarity. The third way God speaks and how he speaks is through circumstances. It's often through circumstances that God shows you what he's doing around you that he's inviting you into. I mean, perhaps it's a prompt to speak to someone on your job, or maybe it's a situation where you see a need that he wants you to respond to. See, we need that situational awareness that Greg talked about last week to be alert to what God may be doing around us as we go about our day. Because the Spirit may speak to us in some way to alert us to something God wants us to do. It kind of is what I call like the spiritual tap on the shoulder. You know what I mean? You're kind of going about your day and all of a sudden there's like, what? And God's saying, hey, something I'm doing here, you know, I want you to kind of pay attention. So we need, we need to kind of be alert to that reality. But circumstances can also raise questions in our lives about God's leading or direction for us. And we need to be careful in how we interpret circumstances as to God's will for our life. Open doors don't always mean God's will for us. Good circumstances are not always an indication of God's blessing or approval. Difficult situations don't always mean that we're doing something wrong or missing something. And neither do they mean that God doesn't love you or care about what's happening in your life. And so when we're trying to discern what God is saying to us through our circumstances, here's just a couple of practical things to consider. Check to see if there's any unconfessed sin or disobedience where you may be resisting God in some way, particularly if you find yourself in a difficult time. And if there is, then, then deal with that. There isn't always, that's not always the case, but if there is, that's important to deal with. Pray and ask God to give you his perspective on your situation. Because, see, we, we get so caught up in our own way of looking at things we often don't see things the same way God does. We need him to reveal to us his perspective. 
Try to put yourself in a neutral place before him where you want to do his will, whatever that might be. So you just want to kind of eliminate the distractions and the noise and just kind of put yourself before God and say, Lord, I just want to do what you want me to do. Just help me to understand what that is. Commit yourself to follow him and make whatever adjustments he might have you make. And then wait for further guidance or clarity. See, when we're trying to discern what God is saying through our circumstances regarding his leading or direction in our lives, it's always wise to make sure we confirm what we think he's saying through other means and not rely on circumstances alone to make important decisions. And then the last thing we want to look at is how God speaks, is God speaks through the church. See, the church is Jesus' redemptive agent here on this earth. In 1 Timothy 3, 14 and 15, the Apostle Paul says to Timothy, he says, I hope to come to you soon, but I am writing these things to you so that if I delay, you may know how one ought to behave in the household of God, which is the church of the living God, a pillar and buttress of the truth. You see, the church is to be God's representative of his truth here on this earth. And churches are not perfect by any means, yet churches are created and assembled by God as his representative on this earth. And they are Christ's body and thus an important means of his speaking to his people by the Holy Spirit. I mean, it might be God speaking to you through a sermon you hear on a Sunday. And that's an encounter with God when that happens. It may be the counsel of another believer that God speaks through. That's an encounter with God. And see, the church is described as a body and how it functions. And in a body, if you think about it, the hand often needs the eye to see what to touch, right? And the mouth needs the ear to know what to say. And we need the involvement of the church and other believers in our lives because God speaks to us through his church and the different people and gifts that he's placed in it. And one other important thing is the church is also God's provision to help protect us from the deception we can so easily fall into if we just rely on our own personal experience to hear and discern God speaking to us. If I could have the worship team come and join me. So God is a speaking God who personally speaks to his people. And in these last days that we're living in, he speaks through the Holy Spirit who lives within us and communicates to us all that Jesus wants us to know. He speaks to reveal himself, his purposes, and his ways so we can join him in what he's doing around us. And the Spirit uses many different means to speak to us. Some of the main ones are the Bible, prayer, circumstances, and the church. 
and hearing and knowing God's voice in that personal, loving way requires a living relationship with him. And that relationship is only possible through a personal faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. See, God speaks to his people primarily through Jesus by means of the Spirit in our day. And in order for that to happen, Jesus had to make a way for us as in our fallen humanity to be brought back into that living relationship with God. There's one more thing in our passage in Hebrews 1 that we didn't look at yet, and that's the very end of verse 3. It says, after making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You see, there's the problem right there. The problem is sin and our fallenness. Because in our sin and fallenness, we're cut off from that personal living relationship from God. We're separated from him. We can't hear his voice in that personal living way. And that's what Jesus came to make possible. And he came into this world as a human being that he might make a way to purify us from our sins, that we could be brought back into this living relationship with God, know him in a personal way, hear his voice. And he did that by coming to die on a cross. We were singing about it earlier in the service that he might take our sins upon himself and pay the price God required for them so that we could be forgiven, that we could have the Holy Spirit to come and live within us, and we could have that personal living relationship with God. And maybe you're here this morning and, and you don't have that. Maybe you're listening online. And you know that you don't have that kind of living, personal relationship with God where God speaks to you. And if you would desire that for, your, for you, God says he would love to have you have that kind of relationship with him. And if you will turn from whatever it is you're trusting in in life to be right with him or to be acceptable to him and put your trust in Jesus... Make him your Lord and Savior. Turn your life over to him. And God says he will purify you from your sins. And he will bring you into that living relationship and grant you a place with him and for all eternity. And so if that happens to be you, if you know you don't have that kind of living relationship with God, then God may be speaking to you this morning in a different way. And maybe he's speaking to you, letting you know that you need a Savior. You need Jesus. You need this relationship with him. And if you do, if you sense God speaking to you in that way, you know, the Bible says today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And my appeal would be respond. Come to him. Put your trust in Jesus. Make him your Lord and Savior. 
But you know, responding to God's voice is just as important for those of us who have that personal living relationship with Jesus. And one of the most important ways that we can grow in hearing God's voice, one of the most important things we can do in those times when we do hear him speak to us is respond immediately to what he's saying to us. You see, if we don't respond in obedience to God when he speaks, we run the risk of quenching the Spirit's voice in our lives. 1 Thessalonians 5.19, Paul simply says it this way. He says, do not quench the Spirit. Quenching is this idea of we kind of cut the flow off. We extinguish it. And so if we don't respond when God speaks... We can quench the voice of the Spirit in our lives. We can get to a place where we just don't hear God speaking to us much, if at all. And that is not what God wants for your life. God wants to stir your faith this morning that he wants to speak to you. He loves you and wants wants you to walk with him in a close personal relationship as your friend. He wants to share with you what he's doing and invite you to join him in that. See, God personally speaks to his people so they can know him and join him in what he's doing. He has things he wants to share with you. And it won't be every day. And there may be seasons when God is silent, but there will be times when he wants to personally speak to you. He wants to work in and through your life to bear much fruit for his eternal kingdom purposes. And he delights in wanting you to know him better and experience him more as you walk with him in your daily life. So let's close by standing together and singing. And if that's your desire, if that would be your desire to know God's voice, to hear him speak, to walk with him more closely, let this song be just a way you can express that to him.